Welcome to the VBAC Link podcast. We are a team of expert doulas trained in supporting VBAC, have had VBACs of our own, and work extensively with VBAC women and their providers. We are here to provide detailed VBAC and cesarean prevention stories and facts in a simple, consolidated format. When we were moms preparing to VBAC, it was stories and information like we will be sharing in this podcast that helped fine-tune our intuition and build confidence in our birth preparations. We hope this does the same for you. To hear more about us and to hear our individual VBAC stories, be sure to check out episodes one, two, and three. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Good morning, women of strength. We are so excited today to have our guest who messaged us on Instagram to share her story. You guys, we, first of all, we just cannot get enough of your stories and we love them. So if you have a story or you may know someone that has a story, feel free to message us. You can email us on Instagram or Facebook or through our website, but please do. We would love to share your story. We have episode 20 today and before I introduce our guest, I just wanted to tell you guys thank you so much for your amazing reviews on iTunes and Facebook. I wanted to share one today from ZM Parker. She says, I really love listening to these stories and look forward to more. It's incredibly reassuring to hear that even with problems, VBACs are still possible. She talks about the audio and I just want to kind of let you guys know, we are recording from all over the world and it is through phone so sometimes we apologize if there are statics or or echoes sometimes it happens so I'm so sorry about that but then she adds more to her review and says now that there are even more episodes aired she it's really so great to hear these stories she said she says thank you ladies for putting this together and taking the time to share information and experiences And it's reviews like these that boost our ratings on iTunes and all of these podcast apps to make you guys aware of of this podcast. Absolutely. We love a good review. We're loving the messages. Keep them coming. Like Megan said, the more you comment on our Instagram and the more reviews we get on iTunes, the more people are going to be able to find us. And And we actually are getting people messaging us that have found us through iTunes by searching for us. So thank you so much for everyone that's left a review. I think we should make this a habit, just reading reviews sometimes on the episodes. I think that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. All right, so now let's get to our guest. Her name is Claire, and she's going to tell you all about her VBAC journey. And let me tell you, I just love stories like this. First of all, we have another big baby that was a VBAC, yeah. 9 pounds, 13 ounces. So way to go, Claire. And her labor, you will never believe how stinking fast it was and where she ended up delivering. So Claire, I'm going to open it up to you and let you share your amazing story with us. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Hopefully my two-week-old will be at bay while I share this story, <laughs> but that's real life. So first of all, I think just to kind of summarize, just taking into account kind of my background with we did have a miscarriage, and then just with my first pregnancy kind of leading up to this pregnancy and delivery, I would just kind of summarize this whole birth story as just one of redemption, healing, and really going from a place of fear to full surrender. So if I had like a thesis, that would kind of be like the the thesis for um, just my story. But just a background, like I said, unfortunately, my husband and I had experienced a, a miscarriage with our first pregnancy back in January of 2015. And so really that's where things, just our pregnancy journey started immediately really from a place of fear um, and anxiety. And um, we ended up getting pregnant again that May. Um, And like I said, just fear was just kind of the looming factor. Um, We really weren't happy with our provider just with the miscarriage. we, We thought, oh, well, emotionally we wanted to stay with that provider and there were so many red flags, you really should have switched providers. But with that first pregnancy, I did have gestational diabetes. So that already kind of put me at a high risk pregnancy. With anxiety, I I tended to have higher blood pressure in the office. And so that kind of led them multiple times to just be alarmed with preeclampsia and just sort of things that everything compounding during the pregnancy really just kind of I think was working against even leading up to my delivery. I had multiple ultrasounds that even with that pregnancy kind of said I would, I'd be having a large baby. So they were um, talking induction and C-section even before um, I went into labor. So that's kind of just a background with how that pregnancy started. My labor with that pregnancy, I went to the hospital way too early. Um, You don't really know what's going on or what to expect really with your first labor. And so right away I was there early at like three and a half centimeters, did some walking and they finally admitted me at four centimeters. And this was early on a Monday morning after laboring through that night. They had sent us home um, before, but I was in bed the whole time on my back, slow to progress. Uh, They eventually broke my water gave me Pitocin. Finally, at Tuesday morning, so this whole day had had gone by, I I pushed. uh, I had fully dilated. I was pushing for three and a half hours. They used the vacuum. And ultimately, all of these things led to an emergency C-section after almost 48 hours of labor. So that was just going from the miscarriage to the pregnancy to that labor, that was nothing like I had planned or expected. Um, Recovery was difficult. I felt defeated and guilty and really struggled with postpartum depression um, and didn't really even recognize it until my son was like a year old. So all of those things, that's just as you can imagine, really just fear looming to even think about a second pregnancy and how that delivery could be So we got pregnant in um, November of 2017 and knew that we'd be due in in July of this year. So really just from the bat, we knew that we had different expectations. We knew that we didn't want the same experience. Um, We were seeking healing and redemption and really wanted to make sure we did everything that we could to ensure um, that our experience would be different this time. So we switched providers. We chose a provider, um, a specialist, an OB doctor that a good friend of mine knew, and I actually knew her before she was my doctor. And they 
told me from the beginning that I was a, a great VBAC candidate, so that right away gave me confidence um, and, and peace that at least yeah. my provider yeah, was, was okay with it. But of course, the caveat is keeping an eye on the baby's weight, and if I were to have the gestational diabetes again, that would kind of be the two factors that may change things. So really, the pregnancy was great. I mean, no problems. I was loving the practice, and so I never had any high blood pressure. Weight management was great. I passed all of my sugar tests, so no diabetes, which was such a relief. But they still wanted to do ultrasounds every month, just knowing that my first baby was 8 pounds, 12 ounces with the diabetes and thinking, again, large baby here. So really starting around 30 weeks was when they were like, okay, consistently this baby is measuring large. Um, and so that, of course, became the biggest topic of conversation. And I could slowly feel that fear creeping in again. And honestly, they started referring to him as a giant baby. Well, and I'm like, okay, you know, giant. like, <laughs> I know, giant baby. So I'm like, all right. I feel so confident about this already, and I have 10 weeks left. So I just was starting to just, I after every visit, I just felt paralysis, um, just hearing those same things. And, you know, my, my doctor, you know, there are other doctors in the practice that I saw, but my doctor was reassuring and just, you know, we'll, we'll monitor it, we'll just follow the weight, you know, really just helping me to still feel at peace, which was I was so grateful for. So then that was around the time that I knew I had to do something to help strengthen my mind and, and emotionally really prepare yeah. for this VBAC that I wanted to have and, and ignore the negativity and, and start to actually trust the process. Um, yeah. I really felt Satan attacking me, and, and I knew that I had to prepare for this battle. So I started to talk to my husband about the, the possibility of hiring a doula, now my sweet husband, um, now <laughs> with with the C-section, immediately was just like, we will schedule a C-section, that's the safest option, you know, in protection, out of protection for me. You know, yeah. he didn't want mm-hmm. the same thing to happen. And I, I, I appreciated that, um, but I also knew that in order for me to really heal from this process, that I needed to deliver this baby vaginally um, and unmedicated. And so we started to talk about a doula, and I just kind of educated him a little bit about what that would mean. And at that same time, one of our sweet friends from church had just delivered her second child with a practice in Atlanta that I knew and trusted, and she ended up having a doula towards the end of her water birth that she had not originally planned to have, but was just kind of like an added support for her. So she referred me to to her doula, Mary. She loved her and was like, hey, Claire, if anything, she'd be a great resource for you to just kind of get started. So I reached out to her. And honestly, it was a gift from God because our first conversation, I just knew that this was the right fit for us. Mm. And being in the Atlanta metro area, there is just so there's so many options, which is such a blessing, but that's also overwhelming. And so to even think about trying to find the doula, you know, for us was just like, oh, my gosh, how do we start? Yeah, it's so <laughs> yeah. daunting because everyone is so great. Like, I, I couldn't ever – I mean, everyone needs to hire a doula. Like, y'all are awesome. Like, this is just Aww. like – We agree. Such, I mean, we, like, we kind of think, we like, think doulas are awesome, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, doulas I – Even doulas hire doulas. That, 
<laughs> yeah, like that was literally what did it for this whole experience. So anyways, Mary was it. Um, she believed in our story from the beginning, and honestly, she would not have normally taken us on as a client because she actually lives north of Atlanta, and we're pretty far south. But she just like heard our story and she knew, you know, our friends and really like loved them and was like, hey, I'm just, let's go for it. Like, I just believe in you and I like love this redemptive story. And for that, I'm just so grateful because honestly, she wouldn't have otherwise, like I said, even taken us on as a client. So hiring Mary like really gave me such immediate peace. Like I knew that it was a blessing right away that we even found her and that she agreed to take us on, and like right away she just started fighting as like the positive voice for me. And so at that point I was like a little over 30 weeks, I think. So it was kind of later in the game, although we still had plenty of time. So we were in just constant communication, and she was just such a huge part of me, um, of helping me to fight that mental battle I was talking about because, I mean, just the fear of a big baby, possible induction, repeat C-section, all of these things as you're getting to the end of your labor are just like right there. Like they're hanging yeah. over and you yeah. just don't, how is this going to happen? I really want this. So how can this turn out? So um, with her advice, I, I started to follow a lot of the natural ways to just prepare my body for labor. I think I, I don't ever want to eat a date again. Um, <laughs> I drank copious amounts of raspberry leaf tea. You know, I I normally exercise, so that was, you know, just not anything new. Um, Rest, which chasing a a two-and-a-half-year-old at, you know, 30 weeks, that was not really in my vocabulary. But, yeah, it probably didn't happen. (laughs) Trying to rest. I've always been an advocate for chiropractic care, so that was part of, um, my care, and just through constant prayer and support from from family and our community here. And Mary, I just felt myself slowly be, begin to surrender to this process, which is just such a beautiful thing, like looking over just how the fear kind of just dissipated. And then I really began to feel the peace that I knew would put me in a good place um, at the end of this pregnancy to, to prepare for labor. I just surrendered my body and my mind to the Lord and just was able to block out those voices of negativity and defeat that were really every visit just kind of hitting me. So, cause I mean, at my last ultrasound was at, I think 38 weeks and they were like, he's measuring nine pounds, 10 ounces. And I'm like, okay, that's a really big baby. Um, but you know, that could totally be wrong. And I'm going to have a seven pound baby and show all of them that they're wrong. And, yeah, whatever else. But um, so at that time, my mom was actually able uh, to fly down from Virginia on medical leave and just kind of help out for the last few weeks with my son and just helping us to get ready for this labor, which really did help me to physically rest. And I knew I needed that. But going into starting labor, I went into labor um, at 39 weeks and three days, which is close to when I went into labor with my first son. I'd been having Braxton Hicks contractions kind of off and on the last month, nothing consistent and nothing too strong. Um, so I knew at least my body was just doing what it should to kind of to get, get ready, which I never had with James. So I really liked being able to feel that. But yeah, that night, it was a, a Tuesday or a Monday night, and I was putting my son to bed around 830 
in contraction. I had like a really strong contraction. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I had to call my husband and he, you know, I had to put James to bed. And, and that day we had gone like on a two-mile walk and I felt awesome. And, you know, you're just kind of at the end of your pregnancy. When is it going to start? And I had done previously some nipple stimulation, which I was kind of apprehensive about just because, I don't know, I just didn't feel like doing it. Um, <laughs> I had done that that morning, just like three minutes each side with just a hand pump. Um, and I had felt some contractions. And I was like, okay, like maybe this is going to stimulate something. And then that evening before putting James to bed, I had done it for like three minutes each side. And I had to actually stop because the contractions were feeling so strong but then they went away and I I put him to bed and like I said had that really strong contraction and I was just like oh my gosh that was definitely more intense than I felt I kind of let my doula know that that had started Um, I was prepared you know for the long run like I okay these are starting I need to get some rest get a shower and just drink lots of water that this could be a while well I couldn't rest at all Um, these contractions, although they weren't following like a specialized pattern, um, were about 45 seconds to a minute each and only about two to three minutes in between. And so I had messaged my doula around 11 saying, you know, I'm really not getting a break from these. Um, She's like, just try to rest. You know, they're not any specific pattern. I don't want you to like stress about timing them because a lot of times that's just not healthy for you and you're not able to rest if you're like, on top of your timing app, you know, and I was like, okay, you know, so I just told my husband to rest and I just was getting pounded by these contractions. I mean, I told my husband at one point, I was like, if this is not active labor, I will not survive. Um, (laughs) I somehow was managing the pain um, and just doing what I could, but they were just back to back to back. So I finally messaged Mary around 1.30, and I was like, I have the urge to push. And that freaked me out (laughs) because I was at home. Mary was like over an hour away, and it's 1.30 in the morning. I was thinking that this was an act of labor, and all of a sudden, you can't ignore that feeling. Like, it was very obvious that my body wanted to push So the first time I I really listened to that urge, because I was kind of just like freaking out, like, do I push? I don't want to have my baby here, you know. Not that it happens that quickly, but I I had no idea. This was totally not like my first labor at all. So my water broke at 2 in the morning, so shortly after I had started to feel that urge. And I called Mary, and she's like, okay. Let's like take a deep breath here. It doesn't necessarily mean that the contractions are going to keep coming quickly. You know, a lot of times it could slow down or whatever else. Well, then she heard me go through a contraction and was just like, okay, tell John to call 911. And at that point, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. And we live super close, obviously. It wasn't going to take them that long to get there although it felt like forever. So I'm in my bedroom, like hunched down, squatting. My water broke. The mess is everywhere. My mom and my husband have like rubber gloves on, and they're getting clean towels and sheets. And the EMS guy is like coaching them on how to deliver our son. And I'm just like, 
oh my gosh, my husband's <laughs> going to deliver our baby in my bedroom. It's only been like five hours since all this started. It was just so crazy. And of course, the guy is just asking, you know, like, what is the nearest intersecting road? And I'm like, sir, I am having a baby. Is there an attention? <laughs> yeah. And my husband is, you know, trying to, like, see if he sees the lights and, you know, our, he, like, can't open our blinds, so he, like, just takes the blinds and rips them off the window and <laughs> trying to find, you know, wait for these guys. And they finally get there and they they take the gurney upstairs and it's just this crazy, like, what, they should have just, like, carried me. I don't know. It was such a fiasco. I'm, like upside down going down our steps on this gurney pushing like against gravity (laughs) then they like wheel me out my front door in the middle of my quiet neighborhood and I'm like in childbirth like screaming and anyways they load me into the ambulance and my husband decided to follow just to have our truck there and and we live super close to the hospital which is such a blessing Um, or I would have had my baby in the ambulance not Mm. the emergency room so then in in there you know the sweet EMS guys are like right ma'am you know we've done this before but let's really try to get you to the hospital and you know just try to breathe through those contractions and, and don't push and you know, I respectfully was like, sir, I, you obviously have never been in labor before. I, I can't not push when, <laughs> when my body is telling me to push. Yeah. So, you know, it seemed like forever, but we made it to the, to the emergency room and they wheel me in and it's like the first room right there where there's drapes, you know, there's not even like a door and they get me on the bed and within like eight minutes, of getting there I birthed our son and it literally the moment he was born was literally just like this release of all of the fear all of the guilt all of the pain that I'd been carrying God's grace and mercy was extremely evident in that moment and I had my unmedicated VBAC delivering a giant baby in the emergency room. Um, <laughs> and at that point, I just, I thought, you know, I maybe had dreamed that I said this, but my husband told me later on that it was true that I was just like, suck it, you know, like I had a successful VBAC. Yes. Um, I guess it was a slow night in the ER because there were like people in the room and everyone was cheering. And, my OB doc didn't even get there, and my doula wasn't able to get there on time either. I was um, going to ask, so did ER you do doc, make it? <laughs> no, our e- an ER doc had to deliver me. So wow. it was just, yeah, it was crazy. And they didn't even have, they weren't prepared, obviously, because most of the time they can at least get the mom up to labor and delivery. But, you know, they didn't have a place. The placenta was just kind of like over here. They didn't have a place for it, and they couldn't even tell me how much he weighed at that point. So that was really, you know, I was really anticipating what that was. But we got upstairs, and he was 9 pounds, 13 ounces, so a very big baby. They were correct, but that my body did it. And, yeah, it was just such a blessing, um, honestly, how fast things happened. It's crazy to hear and and to reflect on because I still feel like, did that really happen? Like, I don't feel like it happened. But I didn't have time to worry about, like, heart monitoring or being restricted to a certain position Mm -hmm. or, you know, 
monitoring my blood pressure or, you know, all of these things, like, I, I didn't have a choice. It just happened. And that is a huge answer to prayer because I just would, I wouldn't have changed anything about how it happened. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's like the story in a nutshell. It is super crazy. And, you know, I've had people since ask if the unmedicated birth was worth the pain. And absolutely. I mean, it made all the difference for me being able to feel my body do what it was designed to do and being able to feel the urge to push and, you know, feel the birth of my son. I'll just never forget that. Um, and I'm just so grateful to be able to share this with moms who may be in a similar situation. That's kind yeah. of Samuel's birth, his crazy birth. <laughs> his crazy fast but super yes. healing and empower, empowering birth. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh, I love definitely. it, though. That's so oh, awesome. So and crazy. congrats. Congrats. Yes. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Yes. I even through like the chaos, I'm sure. Yes. I, yeah, I was going to say, even through all the chaos, that like going down your stairs backwards, pushing, like getting there, like, oh you know, I'm sure all of that. You're just like, whoa. I, yes. like you just said, I am Wonder Woman. That's amazing. Yes. Hear me roar. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. You are. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story. We, we are so excited to have all of these amazing stories that we are able to hear and, and share for women because, you know, some labors are really long and some labors are really fast and you just never know. And so it's, it's fun to hear everyone's different stories. I, I just had an idea. We talk a lot about like how all of our storytellers end up having these like really big babies and um, have successful VBACs. I'm going to start bringing a microphone. Don't get ahead of me here. I'm going to start bringing a microphone to me with all the births I do as a deal letter VBACs. And like right after the baby comes out and the mom's snuggling skin to skin, I'm going to hand the mom the mic and she can just extend her hand out and drop it. Yeah, mic drop. I love it. I love it. Oh, man. Well, and so every week that we have a podcast, we like to share an educational fact. And today we really want to share unnecessary interventions and how to determine what is necessary. So something that we like to use is the acronym BRAIN. So in labor, there are many interventions that can come into play. An intervention is anything done to your body during your labor process, even before labor happens, like membrane stripping and stuff like that. And so knowing what these interventions are and what the brain, which is the benefits, the risks, the alternatives, what your intuition is saying and what happens if you do nothing is going to truly increase your chances of having little to even no interventions for a vaginal birth. So we are going to have a blog. So go check that out. It's www.utahvbacklink.com slash blog. So to hear more about interventions and what those are, go check out that blog today. We are always looking for more inspiring stories. To share your story or possibly be on one of our podcasts, post on social media with the hashtag #WhyWeVBack and tag at the VBAC link or contact us from our website. Be sure to rate us and share and leave your reviews. We are excited to hear what you think. For families local to Utah, 
be sure to check out our website, utahvbacklink.com, for more information on our VBAC childbirth classes and doula services. Thank you so much for listening. We are excited for you to begin your journey with us.